In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. I believe that in October, on the day we celebrated St. Luke's Day, October 20th, I shared that that was my 50th spiritual birthday. That means that this is my 50th Christmas being not just in church, but in Christ in church. And I find myself reflecting on what it is to stay fresh and alive and excited about being in Christ in church after 50 Christmases of having the songs make sense and the texts telling a story that involves me, not just to whom it may concern. Every once in a while, I'm asked by people in the church or outside the church how it's going. How am I doing? And I find myself reflexively and honestly saying, I've never known more joy in ministry. I've never loved a church as much as this one. I've never felt more loved than by the people in this church. And yet, I've never faced larger challenges, tests as to whether this is all for real, especially in the last few months, truth be told. Ben Lane's death, that hurt as a friend and as a colleague. And now thinking through, praying through, talking through the future of a special part of what makes Christ seem so real in this place in music. After um, being on church staffs for many years where it was a senior pastor job to worry about the budget and it was just my job to spend as much as I could and being on a faculty where I was in the classroom for 25 years and it was a president's job to raise the money and it was my job to spend more than they could raise, I'm on the wrong end of that deal now. I've never overseen a capital campaign or felt the responsibility of honoring the labors of those who've gone before, helping a people calibrate for a generation yet to come. So, Feeling the weight of things that are, frankly, bigger than I am. Some things I don't know how to fix. Mistakes I know I've made. Some I don't know I've made. The honest, I, honestly, the a certain loneliness of sitting in a seat I've never sat in before. I've found myself reading today's gospel text just a little differently. I find myself noticing three things that Matthew points up in two different verses. First, Christ's power to fix. Second, his pardon to forgive. And third, his presence 24-7. First, Christ's power to fix. Matthew 1, verse 21. You are to name him Jesus, which literally means Yahweh saves, you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people 
This is an extraordinary verse for many reasons. One, it's, it's an enunciation of Jesus, this baby being born, his being Yahweh. And second, that he comes to save. Christ doesn't come into this world because we're okay. He comes because we're broken. And everything around us is broken. As Eucharistic Prayer A says, when we had sinned and become subject to evil and death. The Bible is a chronicle of people who have let themselves become subject to powers, to a power with a capital P that's beyond their control. But you don't have to read the Bible to know that that's true. In her magisterial book that I highly recommend, The Crucifixion, Episcopal preacher and theologian Fleming Rutledge quotes this letter to the editor of New York Magazine in response to an article about cosmetic surgery. Says this reader responding to an ad about cosmetic surgery, while reading your cover article, I began to wonder what our society would be like if kind hearts and strong minds were respected, revered, and a turn on. Obsessing about beauty and thinness is a luxury that only wealthy countries can afford. We worship the media and false idols they provide us, while in our own cities and elsewhere in the world, people are starving. Yet we are the slaves. Vanity is a disease, and we Americans are infected. Rutledge goes on to observe. This letter instinctively understands what many church people no longer know, namely, that sin is not so much naughty actions or even egregious wrongdoing. It is an infectious disease. That, friends, is why he came, to heal the infectious disease that's in us all, and that's why in the midst of describing Jesus' healing ministry, this year's gospel writer, Matthew, invokes Isaiah 53's song of the suffering servant. He took our infirmities and bore our diseases. Jesus came to this earth with the power to fix what is broken and diseased in us, in you and me, and in everyone. Thus, Isaac Watts' elegant paraphrase of the Advent Psalm 98. No more let sins and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love, and wonders of his love. This Christmas, I believe anew his healing power for what's broken and diseased in me and in you. May you believe it for yourself. This Christmas, I believe anew his healing power for what's broken and diseased in this 
the church that he loves. May you believe it for us. This Christmas, I believe anew his healing power for what's broken and diseased in the world. May you believe it and claim it and live it for all of us. Second, Christ comes with pardon to forgive. Notice further in that same verse, Matthew 121, you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. From their sins. This part of Christ's mission is a particular interest to Matthew. That's why of all the gospel writers, don't know if you've ever noticed this, of all the gospel writers, Matthew is the only one who has Jesus insert into the Eucharistic words about his blood and the new covenant, these words, for the remission of sins. Matthew 26, verse 28, look it up. Matthew wants us to know, as no other gospel writer does, that Jesus' death is the price that must be paid for our sins, for yours and mine. In the musical Les Miserables, the bishop mirrors this reality perfectly as he tells the, play, the play's main character, Jean Valjean, I have bought your soul for God. Valjean was in prison for too many years for a minor crime. He gets out, he's breaking his parole, and the bishop has welcomed him into his house and given him some gifts of silver, but Valjean wasn't content with the gifts. He stole a couple of silver candlesticks and runs away, and he's caught by constables. The constables bring him back, and the bishop sings these lines. You forget I gave these also. Would you leave the best behind? So, messieurs, addressing the constables, you may release him, for this man has spoken true. I commend you for your duty, and God's blessing go with you. The constables leave, and the bishop sings to Valjean. And remember this, my brother. See in this some higher plan. You must use this precious silver to become an honest man. By the witness of the martyrs, by the passion and the blood, God has raised you out of darkness. I have bought your soul for God. And Valjean leaves a different man and lives the rest of his life seeking to live up to the fact that he had been bought with a price. Daniel chapter 9, verse 26, as rendered by the great Anglican priest Lancelot Andrews, says, the Messiah shall be slain, but not for himself. Jesus didn't die because he had to. Jesus died because we needed him to. That's why the first half of Bishop Fulton Sheen's famous saying about keeping your eyes on the crucifix runs like this. In the first place, keep your eyes on the crucifix because a Christ without a cross is a man without a mission. 
this Christmas, I believe anew that he died for my sins and for yours, for the sins of a world that does not yet know him, for the sins of so many who try their best to forget, for the sins of way too many whose confession sounds tinny or trite or shrill or simply untrue. Will you believe it for yourself and for them? And if I have wronged you in some way, will you give me the chance to ask your forgiveness? And if you have never believed that Christ died to win your forgiveness personally, but you want to or are struggling with its reality, could we please talk? You know where to find me. And third, Christ's presence 24-7. Now we jump a couple of verses down. Matthew 1, 23, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And this takes us to the second half of Bishop Sheen's saying, keep your eyes on the crucifix, not only because a Christ without a cross is a man without a mission, but also to our point now, a cross without a Christ is a burden without a reliever. He calls on you and me to take up our cross and to die with him, but he does not call us to do that alone. He calls us to do that after he has taken our hand to guide us and to lead us and to be our friend along the way. Christ didn't just come at Christmas and then leave after Easter and say, have a nice life, go get them. It's all up to you now. Look busy because you never know when I may come back and good luck. No, by the gift of the Spirit at Pentecost, one, by his precious blood on the cross, extending his presence from the right hand of the Father ever since ascension, he says he is with us. And in Matthew's gospel, Christ says that he will be with you and me in three ways. One, when you're weary and heavy laden. When you wake up at 2 in the morning and just can't get back to sleep because the wheels have started to spin, he's there and says, come to me now. All of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Two, he says that he is with us and with you when you're gathered in prayer. Again, truly, I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there among them. Matthew 18, verses 19 and 20. In fact, says the writer to the Hebrews, not only is he here in our gathering for prayer, it is his intercession with the Father that enables our prayers to get through when we need him. And third, he says he's with us when we're on mission. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing and teaching. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And in fact, it is his voice that someone hears when they finally really hear yours. So, 50 years into this Christmas thing, before Christ himself and before you, I resolve that I will welcome him over and over and over again into my weariness and heavy ladenness in prayer and in mission. 
And may you too welcome him right into your weariness and heavy ladenness, right into your prayer and right into your mission. This Christmas, may you know Christ deeply and wonderfully as the one who has come and who still comes with power to fix all that is broken and to heal all that is diseased, with pardon to forgive your sins, and with a presence that consoles and strengthens you and that befriends and empowers you. Amen.